So in my discussion today, I, I did want to talk about the overall effect of a strong pre-kindergarten program um, as determined by multiple longitudinal studies. And I think these, these results are not new to anybody. I think we're very familiar with these. We've heard these often. Um, but I do want to make the point, these are findings that are associated with high quality. And we'll get into a little bit of a discussion um, in a few moments about what that means, what is high quality. So higher, higher achievement test scores, uh, reduced special education identification, reduced grade repetition, increased high school graduation, reduced behavioral problems, delinquency and crime, increased employment with higher earnings and reduced welfare dependency are all consistent findings for children who have participated in early learning programs of high quality. Um, as a result, the economic return on investment has been determined to be up to $16 for every dollar invested. We typically see a range of about four to 16, uh, but I put 16 as the, as the best case scenario. When we talk about pre-kindergarten in North Carolina, I wanna be clear that there has been a wealth of research specific to pre-kindergarten in our state. So <coughs> state funded pre-K, what was formerly more at four, now NC pre-K. Um, External evaluations have occurred for the past uh, 14 years, 13, 14 years, uh, and they've been of all types, and including longitudinal. Um, specific to those state-funded, specific to North Carolina state-funded program, um, the findings are, are very significant. Children at great, greatest risk great, uh, exhibit greater growth over time in language, literacy skills, math skills, general knowledge. Children gain a foundational knowledge which prepares them to develop more advanced reading and math skills in elementary school. Uh, more four, because the research was specific to that program, helps to lessen the achievement gap for poor children in both math <coughs> and reading performance. And such early pre-K experiences have a lasting effect in, to the early elementary years. That study actually noted that the achievement gap for children, participant children, uh, closed by up to 40%. So more at four significantly reduces the likelihood that children will be placed in special education or retaining a grade prior to and including the third grade, academically benefiting students and resulting in considerable cost savings to school districts. So all of these findings are consistent with what I just previously mentioned. And it's, I think, associated with the strong quality that is a North Carolina state-funded pre-kindergarten program. But in this discussion, I, I can't uh, ignore the fact that there is research that speaks to fade out. So there are multiple studies that have shown the convergence of test scores between children who attended pre-K and their peers who did not. There are other studies that show some former pre-K students continue to see benefits while others do not. Uh, and then there's the Vanderbilt study of Tennessee voluntary pre-K that suggests by third grade, children who had experienced the pre-K program were in some cases doing worse than children who did not experience the pre-K program. So it raises a lot of questions. On one hand, you have positive outcomes associated with uh, early learning programs, and then you have the question of fate. <coughs> when we try to wrestle with that or answer that question, I think it's important to recognize what actually matters, what the research tells us, leads to successful outcomes for children and mitigates fade out in the long term. So how can programs be leveraged? How can pre-K programs be leveraged um, and those gains be leveraged and not lost over time? And it really speaks to the quality of the pre-K program. Um, 
there are really two parts to quality, and oftentimes we hear about program quality. Those are the structural features um, that are preconditions for success. So in other words, your class size, uh, a research-based curriculum being implemented, uh, the education level of the teacher, uh, adult-to-child ratio, all of those things are sort of programmatic quality pieces that are preconditions for success. But the real magic, for lack of a better term, happens with process quality, and that's really what occurs in the classroom, what's going on between the teacher and the student, and what the quality of the interaction and support is for the child. That's where we see very positive gains occur. Um, North Carolina has often been touted as meeting all 10 of NEAR's benchmarks for quality, uh, which is a high standard. But even NEAR's director, Stephen Barnett, would suggest that those benchmarks are just the preconditions. It's what you do in the context of, of the classroom and the interactions between teacher and child that truly make a difference. The other part of mitigating fade out really speaks to what happens to a child when they leave a pre-K program. Pre-K programs can't be seen as an inoculation, something that is going to be preventative, but it's, it's a part of helping a child be prepared to succeed, um, and it's in, in concert with the strength of the programs that they attend following pre-kindergarten. So when they move into the school age programs in kindergarten through grade three, what is that quality? So part of the answer to mitigating fade out really is about a true alignment of standards, curriculum, instructional practices with an emphasis on quality that's supportive of children um, and supportive of their growth and development across multiple domains. I just want to make the case um, that if we look at the continuum of pre-K through grade three, or actually birth through kindergarten, um, there's some very important findings that, that we recognize need to be uh, dealt with and programs need to be strengthened if we, in fact, want to leverage those gains that I spoke of um, that are made in pre-K. So what you see here is a chart that is the average rating of interactions in pre-K through third grade classrooms, and this is a national sample using um, the class observational tool, which really speaks to the quality of what's occurring in a classroom, beyond the, the programmatic quality, uh, but to that process quality. And so when you look at emotional support, what you see is relatively um, moderate quality to high quality uh, is indicative of classrooms across the nation. Uh, classroom organization is a classroom, that's more of that programmatic aspect, is the classroom organized in a way that makes it sets the conditions for learning, you see moderate quality on the high end uh, is the example. When you get to instructional support, that's the process quality that I spoke of, the quality of interaction, how well are students being, um, are their needs being met, how are they being supported in their learning. Um, you see low quality being the instance across the nation. And I would suggest that that's not a different story um, here in North Carolina. Another piece of evidence that speaks to the same thing uh, is derived from a tool called Snapshot, or actually now EduSnap, which looks at um, what children's experiences are in classrooms 
um, in the course of a day. Uh, evaluators go into a classroom, pick a random sample of children, and follow and code their behaviors and experiences throughout the day. And the snapshot data is very revealing in that looking at the percent of, of time spent on content teaching uh, in classrooms across pre-K through 12, uh, a large majority, excuse me, pre-K through three, a large majority of that instruction is didactic in nature. In other words, that's a teacher standing and talking um, and children receiving. Not interaction, but just basically stand and deliver. Uh, so in both math and literacy, you see a large uh, reliance on didact didactic instruction across that continuum. Uh, a lesser uh, reliance on scaffolded learning, which would be indicative of understanding where a child is and providing supports and, and opportunities to take that child to a next level of understanding. 9% in math, 20% of the time in literacy. And then reflection, um, where children and teachers really sort of reflect on their work and where they are, uh, is pretty close to non-existent. Um, the good news is that can change. Um, with proper professional development and working with teachers to understand process quality. But that being said, if we're looking at this continuum from birth through grade three, um, there are opportunities that exist for uh, improvement. So in summary, um, if we look across the continuum, the, the evidence really suggests that achievement gaps exist early. Um, kids come to school. Um, that achievement gap is there. Many early childhood programs are in an attempt to close that gap, and they are success successful in doing so. High-quality early education helps prepare children for success, um, but to leverage those gains pre uh, that are made in pre-K, sustained attention to high-quality learning experiences is necessary. Um, there's evidence that the quality of elementary classrooms can and should be strengthened. and the end result is if we don't do better, uh, achievement gaps are fairly stable from third grade going forward. And I think uh, that's consistent with the concern the General Assembly and the legislature has with the Read to Achieve law, understanding that children uh, need to be grade level proficient by the end of grade three uh, to stand a, a, a positive chance of succeeding um, in their school career. So the PK or the P through three continuum demonstrated early care and education, full day kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, what are the components of a strong pre-K program? Um, I have them listed on these blocks, but I want to focus uh, first and foremost uh, in the middle about, in the middle of the page, engage families and community. That should be indicative of any strong pre-kindergarten, uh, excuse me, any birth through uh, grade three continuum, uh, recognizing that families need to be engaged in meaningful ways, that they need to be uh, supported in supporting their children, um, and that's an essential part of an effective continuum. Of course, effective teachers and leaders, um, we've talked a little bit about what the data suggests. There are opportunities to improve that. Some of the work that happens from UNC Chapel Hill and the first school project is very profound in that. Uh, also addressing high quality instruction, meaningful assessment. And by meaningful assessment, I mean assessment that really allows teachers to understand who the children are in the classroom. Um, um, 
really leveraging or focusing on formative opportunities uh, to gain information about children through observation, through questioning, through collection of work samples, through anecdotal notes, in the context of instruction that really allows teachers to understand who children are. Support for social-emotional development, a big issue in early childhood um, programs across the nation now is, is suspension and expulsion, and that's part and parcel to not supporting a child's social-emotional development. It's really more uh, that, that finding is a result of turning children away instead of supporting their uh, participation in the classroom. Um, effective transitions, moving both into pre-kindergarten and out of pre-kindergarten um, into the school-age programming. Uh, and then horizontal alignment within grades, what's happening across all grades, and then vertical alignment up the scale across all grades. So uh, those are really the components of the strong PK uh, three continuum. Um, I could have some additional comments about are we there. I think the answer is uh, we're never there. We have a long way to go. There's a lot of work to do. But the state does have tremendous opportunities in front of it um, if that's the direction the state wishes to move.